Good evening. This is Apostle Corey Douglas with Zion Ministries in Harvest, Alabama. Welcoming you to another verse-by-verse Bible study on the book of Romans. Uh, we're going to pick up on this study in Romans chapter number 5, and we're going to touch bases for verse 21 uh, to continue to build. Again, Romans chapter number 5, verse 21. And the word of God reads, that as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Again, that is sin hath reigned. Notice that half is past tense, unto death. And so the, the Apostle Paul, uh, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is bringing out the important truth that the the agenda or the objective of sin is to bring us into the end state or the end destination of death. Remember our definition of death was to be separated from life or to be disconnected, out of sync, out of connection with God himself. So if I can make it very practical, if God is a source of life, that means that everything that truly comes alive stays alive and lives uh, has to stay connected to him. And when things become disconnected from him, then death sets in if he is the source of life. It also means that if if something can stay connected to him forever, then it will live forever because he is the source of life and will not see death or no death. And so sin is basically uh, the intentional nature of transgression of disobedience uh, act thought deed or the thing that the enemy uh, originated when I say the enemy I'm talking about fallen angels demons as we know them principalities powers uh, Lucifer who rebelled against God he originated or he uh, he's the one that came up with uh, sin itself and again the the, the purpose of sin or the nature, the agenda of sin, regardless of how tempting, alluring, enticing, or gratifying or pleasurable it may seem in the moment, the hidden agenda of sin is to uh, steal, kill, destroy, to corrupt, to, to, to kill, and to cause one to abide in what the Bible calls death or separation from God himself. And so death, uh, the Bible says, half reign, sin half reign unto death. Even so, or in likewise, grace might reign through righteousness. I want you to see that. Grace might reign or rule or operate as a king or, you know, a uh, authoritative figure in dominion. Through righteousness, okay? And so it's important to understand that, you know, you and I will only experience the dominion that life brings, the dominion that grace brings, the power, the victory, the resources, the benefit, uh, the love of God, the reality of the kingdom, to the degree that you and I receive and relate to this gift of righteousness. If grace reigns through righteousness and we want grace to rule and reign in our life or we want to, uh, we want to become experienced and do and our acceptance, our favor, 
uh, our identity uh, to be based upon God's love and not our works, good or evil, which is the nature of grace. If that is going to happen, if we're going to live and operate and think that way and really experience that on a day-to-day basis, then we're going to have to experience that kind of grace that rules and reigns um, over death and over sin. We're going to have to experience that through righteousness. And I want to I want to add, we're not talking about, when I say righteousness, we're not, again, in context of Romans chapter 5, we're not speaking about what you do right or what you do wrong, what you can do right or what you what you can't do so good either. We're not talking about uh, human merit, human ability, human accomplishment, and what humanly we may deserve, good or evil, based on our actions. We're talking about a true and authentic gift that has been given, the gift of a nature, uh, the gift of right doing, the gift of obedience that has already succeeded in this world, the gift of righteousness. We're talking about the very own merit system of Jesus Christ himself that is a reflection, a historical reflection of everything that he did when he became a man and lived life three and a half years as a man and he accomplished the perfect will of God as a human. And after that accomplishment, he turned around and wrapped it up in a gift and gave it to you and I so that you and I could receive it and could receive credit for everything he did and also the favor and the access of heaven from God the Father as a result of his obedience, but even more as a result of us humbling ourselves and receiving his righteousness. And so when it speaks about even so that grace may reign through righteousness, I want you to thank his righteousness, okay, Um, and not your own. Don't let that word make you afraid. Don't let it scare you. Uh, It is speaking about a gift, okay, a gift. And if you're listening out loud, uh, say a gift, a gift. It's important that God wants grace to rule and reign in your life and not sin. It's important that you understand that God wants life to rule and reign in you and not death. Okay? And all of this you and I have been given as a gift. This is what makes the gospel attractive. This is what makes this is the John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoso believe in him shall not perish. Why won't they perish? So how can we who have done wrong be guaranteed that we will not perish? We receive the gift of righteousness. And when we receive his righteousness, then grace is able to rule and reign in our life over sin and over death. Okay? And so righteousness, when you see it in context of Romans chapter 5, it's something that you can smile about and say, man, God is good. Man, God is a loving God. God is a good God. Uh, God you know, despite of my wrongdoing, my imperfections, my flaws and my sins, uh, because of he loved us so much, uh, he gave me a new nature and he gave me a brand new start. He gave me a, the gift of a nature, the very righteousness of his son, okay? The very righteousness of his son. Now, it's important that, you know, we realize that it is his righteousness. Gift, 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 
Not something you can work up do, but a gift. You see this in 1 Peter 2.24, which says, Who his own self, Jesus, speaking about Jesus, bore our sins in his own body on the tree or on the cross. And as a result of that, that you are not being dead to sin, okay, should live unto righteousness, okay, by whose stripes we are healed. By whose stripes we have been healed. And Second Corinthians five twenty one says, For he hath made him to be sin for us. God made Jesus to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might become or that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So you have been made through this gift the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And that's important for you to understand and to always agree with, to always embrace, and to always say yes and amen to, despite of how you may be feeling as a born-again believer, despite of any of your struggles, despite of anything that you may think that you need to grow in, developing. God wants you to be righteousness conscious instead of sin conscious, gift conscious instead of work conscious, life conscious instead of death conscious, okay? Grace conscious instead of works conscious. Okay? All right. And that's what makes this gift so powerful. Now, to those who can humble themselves and wrap their minds around it and reprogram their mind and think according to this gift of righteousness and receive it with their thoughts, with their uh, mind, with their emotions, with their feelings, with their heart, and not be suspicious of it. Okay? See, when you're suspicious of gifts, you don't truly receive them. If someone gives a, gives a gift to you and you don't really think that they love you or that they have your message, you may receive it in their presence, but when you get out of their presence, you say, I don't know about this, and you throw it away or give it to somebody else. It's be, so you received it, but you didn't fully receive it because you did not trust the motive of the giver. You did not trust the true intent of the giver. And we can't approach God like that and expect to benefit from the gift of righteousness. You have to trust the motive of God, to trust the motive of your Father, and you have to be persuaded that God is good. God is not evil. God is not uh, inconsistent. God is not, does not have an ulterior motive. The, the giver of this gift of righteousness is good. So I don't have to put any guards up when it comes to receiving. I don't have to filter it through well, maybe it applies to other people's, but it doesn't apply to me. Uh, maybe I'm only righteous for a month. Maybe he's going to take it away. Maybe when I fail, he's going to change his mind. No, no, no. If he gave you the gift, you can take it to the bank. And he's given all who believe in his son the gift of righteousness. It's very important that you begin to embrace that, live like that, think like that, talk like that, walk like that, speak like that, uh, you know, uh, Go through storms, trials, tribulation, tests, and even crisis moments with the assurance of right standing with God based upon the gift. It's important that you begin that you continue to embrace that gift even when you stumble, even when you fail, even when you fall short, even when you sin and miss the mark. I repent and I ask for forgiveness and I get back up and I keep going. As I said before, the Bible says that a righteous man will fall seven times and get back up. What is he getting back doing? He's getting back up to continue on the path of righteousness. Just because you fall doesn't make you a sinner, and it doesn't make you rejected. It doesn't make you uh, not born again, and it doesn't make you not of God. 
okay? Righteous people can still stumble as well because we're in the process of becoming more like him daily. But just because you stumble and you may do something unrighteous in that moment does not make you unrighteous as an individual or unrighteous uh, in nature or unrighteous from heaven's perspective, okay? What it simply means is that you're still growing, okay, in the fruit of the Spirit. You're still growing. You're still renewing your mind. You're still uh, being renewed in the spirit of your mind. You're still developing. Then you're, you're growing on day by day as a righteous individual. You're growing more into righteousness and more out of carnality as well. But you're doing it as the righteous seed and not as a sinner, okay, and not as one who has been rejected. And so it's important to always maintain your obedience or your place of acceptance in saying, regardless of what it looks like, what it feels like, what you're going through, what thoughts, or how miserable life may seem, or what you may do, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I share that because when Christians can identify that and can identify with the truth of his word, despite of all that, it is the victory over shame. It is the victory over the condemnation. It is the victory over guilt. It is the victory over discouragement. It is the victory over the fear of rejection. It is the foundation for all true confidence. Confidence is faith. Faith leads to hope or expectation and the promises of God. It is the foundation for all of that. You have to understand as a believer that you are secure and accepted because by faith and with everything that's within you, you have received in the heart, with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength, this gift. Not just mentally, but with everything, praise the Lord, that is within you. And that is the benefit of this gift of righteousness. And when you do that, immediately, I'm not talking about tomorrow, I'm not talking about another day, I'm not talking about somewhere down the road, but when you make that shifting to properly relate to this gift, immediately the life of God begins to flow through you. Okay, that dam becomes unstopped. That blockage becomes unclogged. And the life of God begins to flow in you and through you in that instantly, instantly. I mean instantly. Because you have to realize that this gift is not something that God just does once you choose to get in alignment with what's right or when you choose to believe. This gift is something that you have already been given. It's already extended. It was given uh, a long time ago. So it's already yours in the spirit. Life is already flowing. Uh, grace is already uh, uh, flowing. You know, righteousness is already there, okay? And so what happens is is that when you agree with it in heart and mind, it's kind of like you unclog your drain. You unclog the sink. You know, if you know anything about a clogged drain uh, or clogged sink, the water can run, but it can't go down until you remove the clog. And so the water of righteousness, the water of life is already flowing over you, okay? But you have to be unclog the drain through uh, of unbelief, unclog the drain of deception, unclog the drain of being double-minded, of wavering with your faith, and fully accept this gift of righteousness, and you'll find that what begins to happen, that spiritual blockage that keeps you from from not experiencing the life of God, that, that clog begins to become unmoved. And all of that life and all of that grace and all of that righteousness begins to flow into you, making you whole, strong, and healthy in him again.
Romans 6, 1. It says, what shall we say, men? Since this is true, what shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? So the argument that the Apostle Paul is addressing, well, if this is so true, if I can receive this love and this grace and all of this favor, all this righteousness, all this right standing, and, it, and I can be in right standing by my faith alone and not because of anything I've earned, deserved, or any action that I have done, if that is true, then shouldn't that mean that I can live any kind of way? I can walk in fear. I can do all of that and still experience grace and not be held accountable. Doesn't that mean that I've kind of, I've, I've got a kind of a, 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 a get out of jail free card anytime? Doesn't that give me a right to just live a sinful or a worldly or a life unconscious, unobedient to God, and still be a recipient of grace since it's not based upon my works or actions? Okay, and that's a good question. He says, "Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound?" And the Apostle Paul offers this answer, God forbid, okay, or absolutely not. And he answers the question with a question, which I believe is so wise. He says, how shall we that are dead to sin? And if you're listening to the study, I just want you to say out loud, dead to sin. There you go. How shall we that are dead? dead to sin, live any longer in it. In other words, he said no, because to those who are truly born again and give their life to Christ, it is impossible. It can never happen. Because to receive Christ, okay, or the deliverer or the Savior, remember the Bible says when the angel appeared to Mary when Christ was being born and the angel Gabriel appeared to her to name the child, uh, Gabriel specifically spoke to Mary, and, she, and the angel told her that, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So the very mission of Jesus was to bring salvation from sin. So when we accept Jesus Christ, it is already understood that we are giving up on sin. We're saying, you know what, I'm tired of sin and I am bound by sin, I'm struggling with sin, I am uh, experiencing the consequences of sin, I need a Savior. I need to be rescued from the power, the essence, the nature, uh, the consequences, the penalty of sin. I just want out of sin. So I'm coming to Jesus. Okay? So by very virtue of us accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're saying that we're through with sin or that sin is dead to us. Okay? And it's gonna, you're going to see it even a step further as we go on in Romans chapter 6 of what that actually looks like to God in the spirit world. But for right now, we want to we build on verse 2. God forbid, or, or absolutely not, how shall we or those who profess faith in Christ that are dead to sin? Now, that's important for you to understand. If you're taking notes, I want you to realize that that's something that God expects from us to be dead to sin or to be through with it, to not have a desire for it or to uh, really to hate it and to detest it and to have a resistance, an inner, outward, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, a resistance against it to say, you know, 
we have a term um, in, you know, just in our contemporary times when we say, that's dead to me, you know. And when we say that something is dead to us, we're saying that we have nothing for it, that there's no part of us that is even interested in entertaining it ever again, okay. It has no interest to us. And so if I can use that, that sin when we give our life to Christ, we have an attitude against it. We, I, I have no interest in it. I'm dead to it. Sin, you're dead to me. You're not even attractive. You're not even desirable. Anymore. All you've done is cause pain and mayhem and hurt and torment and, and, you know, and left me empty, broken, abused, and used and discarded and feeling empty. You know, I'm dead to you. You're dead to me. I no longer have a desire or an interest for you, okay? And so it says that how shall we that are dead to sin, okay, live any longer in it? How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer? It's impossible because it's something that you don't even have an interest in anymore as far as in wanting to do it willfully. I'm not seeking it out. I'm not searching it out, okay? Because the very reason that we came to Jesus is because we want it out of him. He's Savior, okay? Savior, saving us from our sin. So we accept Jesus Christ because we're just tired of the same old emptiness, the same darkness, the same sin, the same pattern, the same habits the same darkness, the same torment, the same death, eating away at our relationships, eating away at our mind, eating away at our health, eating away at our job, eating away at our joy, eating away at our peace, you know, killing us softly. This is what sin does. And I'm saying, you know what? Life has got to be more. It's got to be better than this. Life has to have some more to offer than this. It, this can't be all that there is to life, and there is. That's the gospel. That's, that's what Jesus steps in and says, son and daughter, I came to give you life and that more abundantly. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, John 10, 10, but I've come to give you life and that more abundantly. Well, the very way to receive that life is to be freed and set freed and delivered for sin, which means that everything about the gospel of Jesus Christ has remedies, has antidotes, and has solutions through the cross of Jesus and by what he did to deal with the issue, the struggle, the temptation, the bondage, the power, the penalty, the consequence, and the very nature of sin to set us free from it and also to give, the, give us the victory in every one of those areas that I just named. And what's so beautiful about it is, is that the victory in every one of those areas that I just named are not based upon our works, our effort, our power, our ability, but these are victories that Jesus Christ already possessed and secured for us through the cross, and he turned around and he gave us the victory or the tools or the grace to overcome these things through grace, okay, through grace. And so we received his victory in all of these areas free of charge, okay. And so part of being successful as a Christian is recognizing the full benefits that the grace of God has brought our way, the undeserved, unearned, unworked for favor, becoming conscious, knowledgeable of the extent, the full extent of grace that has been given to us as an expression of God's love. And not only that, after you become knowledgeable and recognize it, that you know how to use your faith in order to connect with grace or to withdraw 
from the bank account of heaven, which is the grace of God, to withdraw the free benefits of heaven that have been given to us by the expression of God's love through his grace. And so grace comes from God. Faith is something that is in our heart that we give God. So it's your faith that connects with grace. And when your faith connects with grace, whatever grace has, is offering you or is bringing your way to benefit your life becomes your experiential and tangible possession. Okay? It becomes yours, not just in theory, uh, not just technically, and not just theoretically, not just becomes yours, your possession, and your daily life experience. Okay? And that's why it's so important that we understand grace and that we know how to use our faith to connect with it. God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer in it? I want you to understand this. It's impossible for anything in anyone that is subject to sin. Notice what I said, subject to sin, subject to, to sin, or that comes up under the power or the dominion of sin or that allows sin to be their ruler, their controller, their Lord and their God, or becomes that chooses to become inferior, to that submits to sin. It's impossible for anything or anyone that submits to sin to live and to stay alive. You know why? Because the very nature of sin is to kill, is death. And so what Jesus had to do, he had to bring you and I by his grace from up under the tyranny and up under the authority of sin that we may have a right to live. And he did that from by bringing us from up under the rule and the reign and the tyranny of sin, and he removed us from up under sin's dominion, and he placed us in himself. Okay? He placed us in him. Think about what he said in John 14. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life, that L-I-F-E. No man comes to the Father but by me. And so... What the Apostle Paul is saying is that, you know, life cannot exist up under the authority of sin, and sin, okay, cannot exist up under the authority of God's life, okay? Again, you can't live up under the dominion of sin because sin kills. And sin can't survive up under the authority of life because life gives life, okay? And sin brings death. And so what God did through his son and what happened when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is that there was a switch that happened. Okay? God supernaturally transferred you from up under the rule and reign of sin and placed you in his son. And when you were placed in his son, you came up under the rule and reign of grace, and you received his righteousness, and life began to reign in you. Life is reigning in you, even now, as a born-again believer, as a born-again Christian. 
you say, well, why have I been experiencing that? Because most of this you didn't know. And you've been agreeing with the lies of the enemy. And when you believe the lie, you empower the liar. Okay. The book of Malachi says that people perish for a lack of knowledge. And so Satan and demons use what we don't know against us to torment us and to cause us to live way beneath the love, the grace, and the benefits that we have been given. And this is why study is so important in Bible studies, because the more you learn and the more you understand, the more you realize that you have a right to and the more resources and benefits you can possess and lay hold of through your faith to have a better life in the here and now. And that is how that works. Verse 3, know you not or do you not know that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ, listen, were baptized into his death. It is so important. He said, know you not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Now, I want you to realize that this is not speaking about a word of baptism. This is speaking about when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, what happens is God supernaturally takes you. He takes the essence of who you are, which is your spirit, okay, your human spirit, and God baptizes you in his son. So Jesus Christ becomes the pool, and he dunks you, he hides you. This word baptism is baptismo in the Greek. And it means to fully submerge, not to sprinkle, okay, not to take partly now, but he fully, when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he took the essence of your life and who you are and your identity as another speaking spirit, and by his supernatural hand, he fully hid you and submerged you in his son, Jesus Christ. And remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So you are submerged in life if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. God bless you. May he increase you more and more. I pray that the word of God brought life, strength, hope, and encouragement to you. And we will continue this study, Lord willing, praise God, 6.30 p.m. Friday, Central Standard Time. Grace and peace be with you in Jesus' name.